0: Welcome to Solutions from the Huddle, powered by Collaborative Solutions Group. We're discussing meaningful business and life topics to add motivation to your life and value to your efforts. Our show is hosted by certified professional CSG coaches who are often hired for private coaching, corporate training, and speaking engagements. Now, enjoy the show. This is Solutions from the Huddle, and I am your host, Titus Bartolotta. I am so excited again. Um, I said I was excited last time. I was probably just fibbing. I was kind of sort of excited today though. Today, the excitement level is off the charts. It is next level. It is so spectacular uh, because we're talking about something that I don't know anyone that doesn't care about. So we're talking, we're going to talk about money a little bit today, right? Like how to, how to really be smart and strategic and plan and put ourselves in a position to win financially. Um, you know the the folks out there that say, "Oh, I don't care about money. I don't care about those kind of things." Those people definitely care. I promise you. When no one's around, they're saying, "Man, I sure wish I was making smart moves and right decisions, um, and and having the kind of mindset that develops myself personally and professionally around finances." Well, today we have an amazing guest. Uh, probably my new best friend ever. Um, And we're going to introduce him in just a moment. We start every episode of Solutions from the Huddle, uh, which is powered by Collaborative Solutions Group. We start them all the same way, and that's in prayer. We'll do that this time. We always try to be cute and say, if you're driving, this is not the time to close your eyes and and any of that stuff. Stay focused on the road. Uh, But we want to just say a quick prayer. So, Lord, we ask that you bless the show, our guests, our sponsors, every part of it. Let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight. Amen. All right. So our show is about personal development and professional growth. For those of you that are just tuning in, Um, for those of you that keep coming back, you already know that we've teed up yet again, another dynamic person. Uh, Today, I want to introduce Lawrence. Lawrence. Uh, although his friends call him Larry. So we're going to call him Larry. But uh, Larry Sprung is on the program. Uh, a, a CFP, he's the founder and wealth advisor at Midland Financial Incorporated. So so here's the deal. In addition to uh, that, he's also the host of Midland Money Mindset. This is a podcast all about the mindset we need to successfully plan for and live our best lives. I can't wait to have uh, all of his insight come pouring out. Larry, thanks so much for being on the show. I appreciate you being here.
1: Hey Titus, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here and uh, be with you and your uh, audience this morning. It's uh, it's my pleasure.
0: Yeah, we're in for a treat, my friend. And before you get to all the cool ins and outs, uh, maybe it's for our personal investments and in lives and or, or our business, right? Like, how do we make smart money moves, and how do we have the kind of mindset that that breathes that growth? Before we get into all that, though, I always want to ask the question just how did you get here, right? Well, what's the journey to the four-year-old kid who said, the hell would be in a fireman or, or, or a superhero. I want to go be a brilliant financial mind one day, right? <laughs> like That probably wasn't the case, but maybe it was. I just want to know the story and the journey that gets us to know the man that we're talking to today. And we'll get to all the tips and tricks and stuff later.
1: Yeah, sure, Titus. I mean, listen, I, I think my journey has been no different than probably a lot of people who listen to you and entrepreneurs and business owners. It's a long, windy path. And, you yeah. know, that, that led me here. It's definitely not a straight line. But, uh, you know, the, the, the long and the short of it is I actually went into university as a pre-med major, wanted to be a doctor. And uh, within the first semester of college, I started looking at how long I was going to have to be in school how much it was going to cost me to get that education, how long it was going to be till I earned any money. (laughs) And it started becoming a daunting task. And I was like, you know what? Do I really love being a doctor or wanted to be a doctor that much? And quite frankly, the answer was no. Uh, I immediately, (laughs) the following semester, changed my major from pre-med to math and uh, did not know what I was going to do with that uh, until roughly my junior year, uh, junior year of college, a a buddy of mine had an internship and I'm going to date myself a little bit here with Dean Witter. Uh, and, uh, it was coming to an end and because I changed my major, I needed to catch up a little bit. So I was taking some summer classes and my buddy said, listen, my internship's coming to an end. Are you interested? I said, you know what? Yeah, let me, let me take a look. I, I watched CNBC from time to time, was interested in money, interested in the markets, so I, I took that internship, and quite frankly, that was really what opened my eyes to what a financial advisor and a financial planner does. Um, and I really didn't know that uh, previously. Now you combine that with my my personal experiences. So my mom uh, died at a very young age. She's uh, the L I N of Mitlin, and. Um, She passed away, Linda, at uh, 47. And, you know, growing up, I saw my dad. My mom was sick from the time I was about 13 or 14 or so. I I saw my dad struggle. He was struggling with work, he was struggling with making sure that my mom's financial medical bills were taken care of and you know there were a number of things and he didn't have an advisor he didn't have a financial advisor didn't have a ton of money i you know i didn't grow up uh, wealthy but i didn't grow up poor either middle class but he didn't have an advisor and not that having an advisor would have alleviated him of the troubles and and the medical issues but i feel like he would have had some guidance on how to handle some things so i took the knowledge that I I received during this internship that was kind of a surprise and took my own personal experiences. I was like, this is a really rewarding career. What if I could help people uh, avoid and plan for some of these unexpected events? And you know what? You're not going to mitigate them, but put them in a better position than had they not had a financial advisor or a wealth advisor, whatever you want to call us. And You know, I like people, like working, like helping. So, uh, to me, it was just like a uh, a marriage made in heaven, and uh, more or less came out of college and started working in the industry right off the bat. And you know, that in itself has been a you know a uh, its own long windy path since then. But that's how I got there.
0: Yeah, I love that. So the the idea of watching firsthand kind of some of the pain and struggle of of a of a lack. Right, lack of having that advice in that direction, and um, and not, you know, what I really like about that is, it wasn't even you. You weren't the adult, um, so it wasn't like you experienced what it was like to not have it. Uh, you got to watch your father, and 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 that poured into you. Why do you think that that didn't have you start off in a major? Right, you went to the doctor side of things why didn't that influence the initial, or maybe it did indirectly. You were like, I want to help people. (laughs) You just, you just picked one angle instead of the other, but why do you think that had, or didn't have um, an effect on the initial major before you made the switch over?
1: Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think my, my career choice was always something that I wanted to help. Right. And quite frankly, as a kid, uh, I had a pediatrician that was like, The coolest guy. I, Uh, I I enjoyed seeing him. We talked about hockey, which was a passion of mine. You know, he was a very friendly guy, had kids not too much older than I was. And I kind of looked up to him and, and thought, wow, this is a great profession. Help people. Make a decent living, et cetera. And that kind of led me down that pre-med path. You know, I, I didn't know where it was going to end up, but pediatrician was something that was in my mind. And like I said, I think that a lot of us start thinking about these things because somebody has an impression on us at a very mm. young age. And then it comes to a point where we actually have the ability to really think this out and we have to think it out so that we're not in college for, you know, forever with, uh, you know, no end in mind. And uh, as I started thinking about it, I was like, you know what, this is not for me. I want to figure out another avenue that I could utilize what I'm doing and help people in a a similar vein, maybe just not with their health, but maybe with their wealth.
0: Man, I love that. So what what I love about that is that, um, you kind of just shared that part of what caused you to go in that that path was just the relationship, the conversation, the connection and engagement between a particular healthcare provider and yourself. And I know that with my financial advisor, which by the way, I've told people this on the program before, get one. Why would you, I don't understand why you wouldn't have one in life. It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, But, but, kind of, that's kind of the relationship I have with my financial advisors. We talk, we have common interests. We're like two humans that, that have a similar interest, but a friendship and a relationship. Um, I wonder if that was kind of a, a pull and have you taken that approach with your clients today is a very conversationalist. I know there's some financial advisors, maybe a little more, uh, I don't know if old school is the right word. Let's say traditional, you know, where we don't talk, but like once in a blue moon and, and there's a bunch of papers. Um, What's your approach with your clients when you're engaging with them?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's very conversational for sure. I mean, you know, with so many advisors out there, and quite frankly, you know, when you look at what advisors do and what they can do, you know, the investment component and the investment piece, where people's money go, uh, that's a commodity, right? You know, there are only so many ETFs and mutual funds and individual stocks, which we all have access to right? That's commoditized. What's not commoditized is the relationship that we have with our client and what we can do to know what's important to them, what their goals and objectives are, and helping them work towards those. The the, the investments are really just an end to that means and figuring out what to utilize to help them. But yeah, I mean, the relationship is really our differentiator and where Hmm. we kind of add the most uh, value. We're constantly in conversation and in contact with our clients in a multitude of ways, whether it be our weekly email newsletter, letting them know what's happened in the markets the week before, whether it's through our podcast, whether it's through uh, you know, them getting a new job or having a grandchild or something important. They buy a new house and we send a gift. You know, these are all important things that we need to know. And the only way you can find that out these days is by having the conversation and being involved in their lives. And our goal is not to be just their. Advisor, but we want to be the advisor to them, their kids, and in some cases, we're now even working with grandkids of wow. our original clients. You know, second and third generations.
0: Larry Sprung, right here on Solutions from the Huddle. Um, we're talking about, you know, really, you could almost take out the practitionering of financial advising and replace it with any service-based or 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 trade for that matter, because really what, what I'm hearing you talk about is how important and how key and unique uh, the relationship is. The unique selling proposition of why someone ought to pick you is is your level of care and your level of conversation and your level of connection. I, I, I wonder how the industry interrupters um, like the apps and I'm not gonna give them oxygen. So I'm not gonna say their name. Plus they're not sponsors, they're not giving me any money. Um, <laughs> but all the apps out there, I mean, they're kind of trying to cut out the middleman, right? They're trying to cut out the relationship. They're trying to cut out the person as though the the end user is such a savant right. <laughs> that they don't need any advice, right? What a what an arrogant pro- proposition. But um, how do you compete with those those industry disruptors that are devaluing the importance of somebody who's been there. And, you know, my grandfather used to say, Larry, he used to say, I've eaten more bread than you. Right. Please, please let me tell you about bread. Okay. Cause I've eaten more than you have grandson. Um, how do you compete with these dot coms and these apps and these, you know, make it so convenient. And they've brainwashed people to think that you don't need humans to yeah. be a part of the equation. What do you do with that?
1: Yes, I mean, I think that's a great question, and you know that's something we come across quite often. And I, I will say this: that there is a place for these apps. There, there are people that it fits very well with, and those are really people who haven't accumulated any kind of significant wealth at this point, um, it, because it's it's better for them to do something than do nothing. So, if it's a matter of being involved with one of these apps in order to start saving, then that's a great opportunity for them because they're doing something instead of nothing. At some point after they've accumulated some sizable wealth, it's probably going to be important them to reach out and have a conversation with an advisor. Because like you said, That app's not going to really learn about them or know about them. All it's going to know is how you scored on that risk tolerance uh, exam uh, or or quiz, and then create an asset allocation that's going to be dovetailed into that. And I I could give you a a real-life example. We had a a referral. uh, Somebody was referred to us by their accountant, their CPA, uh, and they were interviewing us. Uh, They were also interviewing one of those trusted robo-advisors out there, and the advisor basically showed them a, uh, a proposal on what they would do with their investments. And quite frankly, for us, that's like the last thing we're talking about with a prospective client. With a prospective client, we want to make sure two things. One is that they're a good fit for us, and two, we're a good fit for them. We want to make sure that the problems that they have and they're looking to solve, we're accustomed to, and we can solve them in our sleep and help them work towards it. The robo-advisor doesn't know anything from that. So, they prepared a proposal for the client, and we were talking about their goals, their objectives, and their concerns, and they showed us the proposal. and We looked at it, and we said, hey, do you realize by doing this that you're going to have a a $20,000, $30,000 capital gain because they're basically selling you out of everything that you have and going out and buying you new stuff. She goes, no, they never told me that. Mm. I said, well, you know, that's interesting because basically they're just telling you what they're going to do from the point you transfer them the money, what they're going to do and how they're going to invest it. But they're really not taking into account what the ramifications are of selling it. And she was like, I cannot believe that. And uh, that was really what ended up securing that client. And that's really a good uh, uh, example of what a robo-advisor cannot do. It's not going to tell you, well, you have these ramifications uh, from us making these changes. It just simply wants to make the change because you may have holdings in your portfolio currently, you probably do, that don't fit into their allocation or their strategy. So, you know, are you willing to take that capital gain? And the reality is if they disclose that to her and showed her it, then it's up to her to make that decision, but not showing it at all, I think is a direct reflection of them not knowing what the relationship is all about and just caring about investing the money. And that's it.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I think that one of the things that I appreciate the most is, you know, I, I have expectations. Um, from my advisor, that they have an idea of of kind of what my standards and values are, and you know when there's an investment that has a good return, but perhaps, um, you know is is in part doing business with something that's maybe outside of uh, what I've deemed important in, in my values. Uh, they know that. And, and to make a nickel less here with the hopes of making a dime more elsewhere or making investments that best so that I don't get some kind of a secondary party going, oh, man, did you know that it, it sound, it's good that you made a return, but you, did you realize you were doing business with X, Y, and Z? And then I have to go, oh, gosh, I didn't know. Um just to know that I have someone on my team that asks me questions and cares and knows more than just nickels and dimes. They know the values and the culture and the, uh, the, the things that are most important to me and how we're going to plan for retirement and for future, but in a way that that doesn't defy what my code of ethics or morals or values are. I, I don't know how an app could
1: do that. I don't think they can. You know, yeah. And, and I, quite frankly, I think it's very difficult for most individuals on the flip side to do it on their own. And that going back to what you said, having an advisor in those instances is key to be able to walk you through those uh, situations and those potential landmines.
0: So what, what led you to go from uh, just being an advisor? I mean, there's one or two firms in the world. I think they're up to three, maybe now Um, that's sarcasm. There are tons of, of firms out there. You could have worked for someone else. um, But, but, You are the founder of, of Midland financial. Um, what caused you to, uh, cause you to be an entrepreneur in addition to being cuz you're not just a financial advisor you decided to be a business owner sure what, yeah what, what made you take that fork in the road
1: yeah listen i've always been entrepreneurial in nature i mean from the age of 11 or 12 i had my own paper route so that was like the uh, the genesis of it all but uh, you know early on in my career i did work for some larger firms and you know in, in my view i learned that Essentially, there was a lot there in terms of the firms, the larger institutions really dictating how and what should be done for clients. And that wasn't really in line. You know, you talk about values and expectations that really wasn't in line with those values and expectations that I that I had, and you know, I I saw no other way other than to do it by creating it on my own. So, having our own firm, we we are what's uh. There's a uh, we're part of a Carson we're part of Carson Group. So we're a uh, partner firm to them. So they are you know they provide us with a lot of resources and back office support. Which you know what I like to say is we have that national backing. Uh, they're about a $19 billion RIA, registered investment advisory firm. We served collectively over about 38,000 families, and uh, I have a local presence. And really what they allow us to do is they allow us to build the practice and the business the way we want to and how we want to focus and work with clients. And quite frankly, the other thing is, which is in line with you know your audience and, and the conversation here today is... You know, it's hard to advise business owners and entrepreneurs if you're not one yourself, right? Yeah, so, that's a great point. You know, it it also put me in a position where when I'm talking to a business owner and they're telling me about their struggles, their strives or what their challenges are, uh, it's something that I probably encountered as well as a business owner, because a lot of us have the same problems. It's just, you know, what's the best way to solve it? And, you know, eating enough bread to be able to uh, advise them on how uh, and what the best uh, method to do that would be. So I
0: love that because that required additional risk and input and in, in, or investment, rather, uh, on your part to be able to really connect with them in that capacity. Um, I I want to, right on the other side of this break, I want us to talk about some tips and tricks, some strategy, some direction. I know sometimes that can be challenging for folks. We've had one or two folks, uh, we've done just 500 shows or so, but but we've had a few of uh, you guys as professionals, and sometimes there's limitations as to what advice you can give and things of that nature, and I, we understand and respect that, but I'd love... Uh, just, a, just a tip or two that's maybe evergreen, right? Because someone might listen to this show two years after you said it. Um, we always pause kind of in the middle of the show just to say, say thank you again real quick to our sponsors, uh, some of the brands and companies that said, we believe in the concept of personal development and professional growth. Like we love the idea that industry specialists come on and that and that end users have a free resource to learn and grow and develop themselves to just be further along and better tomorrow than they were yesterday. Some of the brands that help us do that are companies like MS Digital Solutions, uh, Shepherd Law, Easy Living Technologies. There's there's actually quite a few of them. And if you'll go to just team-csg.com, that's team-csg.com. Click the solutions from the huddle tab, and you'll see all the logos representing all the companies that believe in what we're doing. When you click on their logo, you go to their website, and you'll learn why we are proud to stand next to that brand. Thank you to all of those folks. Uh, But Larry, we're talking with you and the brand that matters the most right now is Midland Financial. Uh, Larry, tell us some tips and strategies. How can we, if we're going to fall, how can we fall forward, right? And if we're going to avoid falling, how do we rise higher to, uh, to better our mentality around our finances?
1: Yeah so I think there's uh, certain things that are like ever uh, evergreen in nature that you you absolutely have to consider and I think as business owners or sales professionals sometimes we get tied up and and forget about these things. And, you know, the first thing is, you know, you want to pay yourself first. Uh, unfortunately, in many cases, we have a tendency to get our paycheck, however that be, if we're self-employed or, you know, through a company and we pay our rent, we pay our mortgage, we pay our utilities, we pay everybody first and then, oh, let's see what's left over and let's see what I can do with that. And I think to some degree that's, uh, you know, Antiquated, and we have to reverse and flip that on its head. So I would argue, you know, figure out a, a number, whether it's five percent, ten percent, fifteen percent, whatever that number may be. Pay yourself that first, and then figure out a strategy on how to live off of that remaining ninety-five or ninety percent, whatever that number may be, and then pay those bills um, because it's important. Now, as a business owner, you know you have to understand, and I understand that you know, you may not want to do that necessarily in an IRA or 401k, you may be reinvesting in your own business. And, you know, I understand that. And there has to be reinvestment in the business to grow it and, and, you know, see that, uh, you know, Genesis of the business growing from where you are today to where you wanted to be. But at the same time, you should also start thinking about having some liquid assets that would be available to you from an investment standpoint, whether it be in a retirement account or elsewhere. So I think that that's an important thing to consider. The other, uh, another thing, and this is really for the business owner or uh, the employee, if you're a business owner and you have employees, you know, think about setting up a retirement plan. Uh, it's, it may provide you with uh, tax benefits today. It may provide you with a vehicle where you could start putting um, money away either on a tax-deferred or tax-free uh, basis. And as an employee, you definitely want to be taking advantage of your company's 401k or retirement plan, especially if there's some kind of match involved, because that's just free money. You don't want to leave that on the table. You know, I hate meeting a, a client or a potential client, and they tell me that they work at XYZ company, and we find out that they have a 3 or 4% match on their 401k, and you find out that they're putting in 1% or 2%, and they're leaving that extra match on the table which is Free money. And that that's hurtful. So, you know, make sure that if you're a business owner, look into setting up a retirement plan. See if it works for you. It doesn't work for everybody, but it may work for you. If you're an employee, make sure you're taking advantage of your corporate company retirement plan and make sure you're taking advantage of everything that they're offering you in terms of match. I think those are two simple, really easy things that most people who are listening to us right now, whether they're the the business owner or the employee, could really take 10 minutes and figure out. You know if this is something they should explore and it would benefit them hugely in the long run.
0: Larry, what are, what are one or two of the things that you've learned that have really empowered your mindset around finances and your ability to invest uh, in yourself and in the things that are most important for your future? What are some of the things that you've learned though, not necessarily through your training or your, um, your certification, um, but through failure? I I love bringing leaders on this program, such as yourself and saying, how did you fall forward? Um, Because the truth of the matter is, is, is school is excellent. Podcasts are great Um, certification programs and education. All of that stuff's wonderful and great trying a method and seeing that it was successful and then continuing, great. But sometimes in life, it's getting bumped up and banged up and scraped up and and you learn the hard way um, that, that really makes the biggest impact or in some cases, uh, informs the greatest decisions that we make. I'm just curious, someone successful like yourself, um, where did you fall forward once or twice in life that you feel comfortable enough to share with the audience and maybe they can avoid that particular bump or scrape because you did it for them already?
1: Yeah. So I, I think there are two that immediately come to mind that I, I'd be happy to share. Uh, one is... You know, we didn't really have any kind of process in our office between myself and the other stakeholders, uh, who you know is is the term that we use for employees, to kind of work through issues um, and make sure that all of the issues that are taking place in the office on a regular basis are out in the open, right? It, it just creates a better environment, a better culture, and you know, one of the things I didn't. Concentrate on for quite some time was that culture and that environment. And about two years ago, we started implementing uh, the EOS system, right? Geno Wickman's system, entrepreneurial operating system, and that has had a tremendous impact on our business. Uh, it's created a lot of transparency. Uh, a lot of camaraderie within the organization, and an ability that we're not spending time on trying to necessarily fix issues during the week. Uh, If there's an issue, and one of our stakeholders or myself, if we can't solve it within 10 minutes, it goes on the issues list for the week, and we meet weekly on Tuesdays at 10 a.m. religiously, and that's where those issues get brought up. We solve a problem if we can solve it there and then, great. If not, then we kind of put it out for more of a long-term, uh, you know, evaluation and figure it out. But it has had a tremendous impact on, uh, you know, how we interact with each other, uh, how the transparency in the office works, and making sure that everybody is on the same page. It's it's had a tremendous impact. Um, the second thing that I would share is. Uh, With regard to social media, and as you mentioned before, there's a lot of things people in our industry can do and can't do. And social media is one of those things that we can do if we do it right. Um, One of the things that I had been uh, reluctant on doing for a very long time was being very open on social media with regard to what was going on in my life, good, bad, or indifferent. And putting it out there. And to some degree, I felt like I didn't want to be ostentatious, ostentatious, showing that I'm out here or doing this. And, you know, essentially our social media department came to us and said, you know, people want to see that. They they want to know the genuine you, regardless of what that looks like. And I made a concerted effort, I guess, about two, two and a half years ago to start putting. A lot more out there. And I will tell you this that it has created a huge funnel of prospective clients. And it's also really reinforced a lot of relationships with existing clients. And the reason why I think it is, is. You know, especially since we're in this COVID age, it, you know, it's not as easy for people to see what's going on necessarily in someone's life. And it really gives them a true understanding of who you are, what you're about. Are you a family guy? Or are you not a family guy? Before they even come into the office or schedule an appointment. They're looking at that stuff. And I think it's been extremely helpful uh, how we've been out there. And those are really two things that I was reluctant on that I've changed and have had huge success with uh, making those minor adjustments.
0: Larry Sprung, founder and Wealth Advisor at Midland Financial. Hey, uh, Larry, thank you so much for being on the program. How, how do they get a hold of you? What's the next step that a listener should take if they thought this was a great interview and they want to learn more? Is there a website? Is there a direction you'd give them?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, you can find me just about on every social media platform if you want to like know a little bit more about me personally, like I was just mentioning. Most of them I'm, I'm founded under Lawrence Sprung. Uh, Instagram's the only one I'm under Larry Sprung. Uh, but you could also go to our website, which is mitlandfinancial.com. We have a lot of free resources for you know the folks that are uh, specific to your audience. And if they need to or want to, they can uh, schedule a 15-minute. Is there a fit call right from our website? And basically, it'll be a call with me. We could have a quick conversation, see if we think that there's a baseline. For for us to be able to be helpful to them. And if so, we can take it from there. If not, we'll certainly be able to give them some uh, actionable information that they'd be able to take and use uh, elsewhere if needed.
0: M-I-T-L-I-N Mitlandfinancial.com. mitlinfinancial.com. Uh, Larry, thank you so much. I really appreciate you. I hope I hope maybe in the future you'll come back, do the show again and, and pour some more into our bucket.
1: Sure, Titus. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me and make it a great day.
0: Hey guys, Titus Bartolotta here with Collaborative Solutions Group. I just wanted to say thank you for listening to this episode of Solutions from the Huddle. If you want to hear more episodes and continue supporting our show, simply search for and subscribe to Solutions from the Huddle on any major podcast platform. Thank you again, and we hope you'll join us soon.